there's a source that we can actually draw from that can break things open. And it's in Hebrews 11, verse 13. It's talking about the men and women of faith that have come, come and gone before. And it says this in verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises that they were promised by God, but having seen them afar off, a long way away. And were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Well, how does that make any sense? Usually I'm not really happy until I'm holding the thing that I've really wanted. I want a new TV. And I'm not satisfied until I get my new TV. But there was something about the men and women of faith. Now listen to this. This is all of us now. There's something about the men and women of faith seeing something afar off and embracing it like it's here right now. One of the things that I think of quite frequently is the fact, the fact that Jesus is coming and we're going to rule the earth again. Right? He is. And so that's what we, we look here now like, well, that seems like a far, long ways away. But I can sit here, stand here on a Sunday and embrace that moment as if it was happening right now. Others of you might see other things from heaven coming. Changes in structure, changes in family, dominion of God in the earth. And God is placing these things in your heart for you to embrace and to release here on the earth. God is bringing us past the warm, fuzzy feelings. He's bringing us past those things and he's bringing us into something deeper. Let's stand. Last week I spoke about what are we going to do this week? What are we going to do this time? Are we going to wait for another hour and a half before someone releases the right prayer that I can then embrace? Or is there something in our hearts today, right now, that we long to see? Is there something in heaven that we recognize as God, that's in heaven, but it's not here right now. I want to embrace what's in heaven so that it would come to the earth. How many people know someone sick? How many people know someone struggling with depression? How many people know someone, well, all these things are not meant, or we're not how we were designed to live. They're not how we were designed to walk on the earth. Our home is heaven. Our, our source of life is heaven. When we were created and put on the earth, it was from heaven and put into the earth. And by faith right now, listen to this, by faith, we now embrace those promises of heaven and we say, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know this seems like, whoa, this seems like a heavy thing right now. Don't worry about that. Start to focus on the one that sits on the throne. And I promise you, when you do, when you can start to embrace that, the rest is going to flow out of you. You won't even be able to say, well, I don't want that. You're going to want to do it. It's going to shift something in you, and you're going to want to release as we've seen people do it. Let's pray. God, right now, 
say that we are a people that belong to heaven. We are a people that belong to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. And everything that belongs to heaven, we now embrace and call forth here in the earth. Let's release our mouths. Let's release our spirits. Let's release a song of faith to the Lord this morning. Amen. Keep doing that. But I want Derek to talk about the city of Jericho. Keep clapping, though. I see. I see the people of long ago walking around Jericho. I see their feet in the dust, and I, I see their clothing. And I want you to put yourself there for one second. It's day three. You have no clue why you're doing this. Okay, let that sink into you. Those people walking around Jericho had no clue why they were doing it. They didn't, we read that the walls of Jericho fell down. They didn't know that at that time. All they knew is that Joshua had heard from the Lord, or at least they hoped he had heard from the Lord, and that they were to walk around Jericho. And so with just nothing else to do, but all get together and obey Joshua, they go ahead and do that. Now, what we need to understand, what we really, 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 really need to understand is it depended on every single person being there. It depended on us, on them being there, just as it de our breakthrough, our inheritance, everything that God has for us depends on us all being here this morning, in real time, in the present, being here this morning, walking around Jericho, being faithful to obey that that's been spoken to us and continuing on with that. In the movie, Horton Hears a Who, or in the Dr. Seuss book, Horton Hears a Who, it depended on the smallest person making the smallest noise. Can we just get a hold of that? I know it's a Dr. Seuss book, but I mean... For me, it's way better than the matrix in, in bringing you into spiritual reality. That it depends on the smallest one of us, the smallest one of us making the smallest sound for that breakthrough to come, for that deliverance to come. And so, Lord, just agree with me this morning, please. Lord, that this morning we say, we will enter in, we will give our sound, we will follow through. Whether it's day three or whether it's day seven, we're going to give our sound. We're going to give ourselves to this. We realize that our deliverance, we realize that our inheritance, we realize that the fulfillment of all the promises of God depends on us being faithful here, now, in this moment. So we grab a hold of this this morning. I saw someone sitting in their cage. And at first they were sitting in a corner in despair and hopelessness, but something rose up within them. Something rose up within them. 
caused them to stand up and come to the bars of the cage and grab hold of the bars of the cage and begin to rattle the cage saying, this is not my portion. This is not my portion. This is not my destiny. And as they began to shake the cage, others that were sitting in their cage, they caught a hold of this fire and they began to raise up and come to the bars of their cage and began to rattle their cage. And the sound began to ring throughout the prison, ring throughout the prison hallways. And heaven responded to this sound. And the prison began to quake and the doors opened. The prison began to quake. An earthquake came into the prison at the sound that was being released of those that were willing to stand up and grab a hold of something and grab a hold of something. Let me ask the question. Have the walls fallen yet? Right now in this room, do you feel that the walls have fallen yet? Then what must we do? Keep walking. The only promise that the Israelites had was that God would give them the city. And so they kept walking. And they kept marching around, looking to their leaders, saying, why are we doing this? But their leaders knew. They said, God will give us the city. God will give us this place. God will give us this land. No matter how large this place looks, as we march around, he will give us this land. And so we march. And so we walk. Seven days. marching keep walking around we haven't actually shouted yet and that'll come but we have to recognize a couple things first so the Lord just brought to mind the verse or the story of when Elisha the man came to Elisha and wanted to be prayed for for leprosy and the servant comes back from Elisha to the ruler and says you need to wash in the Jordan River seven times to be healed from your leprosy and the man goes that's stupid I, there's so many other rivers I could wash in. Why, would, why do I need to go do that? And, but he takes a step out in faith, and he's healed. So what if, what if we're reluctant to go and march around, or we're reluctant to go pray for somebody, or we're reluctant to go do something cause, just because it feels silly? What if, what if you have a financial problem that's hinged on you walking around right now? What if your healing of depression or your healing of something in your body is hinged on you walking around right now, but you just think it's silly, you think it's stupid that I don't need to be part of this? I just feel like there's, there's a unity that can come to a people. The, there's a story in Babylon where they built a tower, and there's a part in there that says they were, they were united, so there was nothing they couldn't accomplish. So what if we were all united and we all marched around right now and we saw something happen? Because I feel like there's something that needs to happen today that's just not happening because half of us are into it, 
and half of us aren't. So if we're united, we can do anything. The Word of God said there they were united so they could do anything. So what if you need a healing? If you need a financial breakthrough? If you need something this morning? If you want more of God, why don't you march? Why don't we look silly for God right now in this place? Because if we can't do it here, we're not going to do it out there. We're going to keep doing this. I want to remind you of something right now. Is that many men and women that heard a promise of God did not see the fulfillment of that promise within their lifetime. Yet they were willing to do this. They were willing to march around the city. They were willing to wander around. They were willing to continue to wait as many times as it takes. We wait on you. We declare breakthrough. Let the promises for Spruce Grove come into alignment. Let salvation spring up from Spruce Grove. We march around this city. We claim this city. We have been promised this city. The Lord declares this city is yours, my people. Prophesy over this city as you march. We prophesy. A brighter day is coming. We declare in the name of Jesus that this land belongs to you. We lift you up. We say there is none like you. starting to shake the bricks are starting to shake the bricks are starting to shake look into your spirit look into the spirit right now and see the walls start to shake look at it right now look at it the bricks are starting to shake As you see it, let something inside of you be released. Think of those people on the day of Jericho.
What did they do when they saw the walls start to shake? The Lord declares that the walls of Jericho shall not stand against him. God, we enter in. We enter into your promise. We enter into your promise. The sound of demolition. The sound of destruction for the enemy. The sound of the prowling of the lion. The lion of Judah. He walks to and fro. He paces back and forth. You can hear his footsteps in the earth. And the pant that comes from his mouth. The lion of Judah. There is no cage that can contain him. There is no cage that can provide protection from him. The bricks are shaking. He roars from Zion. He roars from the mountain of the Lord. The Lord says, Who will release the lion's roar in this day? Who will be the ones that release my shout in this day? The shout of the king. Who will be the ones that will march? March, 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 march. Who will be the ones that tell the world of my coming? Because I am coming. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself to release the final blow. The strike that will break the back. Prepare yourself. On the day that they marched around the wall seven times, they did so in silence. The Lord was preparing something in their midst. He was preparing a promise. And he said, I want them to know that this is not from them. For I will give them something that is far beyond the measure that they will give me. I will give them victory over city and a definite victory and they will merely walk. You see, there is a second coming of the wall of Jericho that the people of God will march against. And what will happen is these people will walk around this wall in utter peace while everyone inside of that city would mock them, while everyone would cast accusation, hurling insult, yet they walk in peace. Why do they not respond? Why do they not say anything? Why do they just walk silently? There is a revelation that will come, and it will come on the seventh day and the seventh march. But it will come once we believe. And the Lord declares today, and he says, If my people will give themselves to me, I shall give myself to them. Let the declaration of the Lord be heard. Let the sound of the Lord be heard. 
This is not another moment. God is releasing the keys of Spruce Grove to a people that would call his name. Listen, listen to the sound of keys jingling. Who will take them up? Who will pick them up? Who will pick them up? On that seventh day, as they marched seven times, they paused. And the leaders of the tribes and the leaders over the Israelites stood before the people and said, The city is ours, for the Lord has declared it. Go and take what is ours. And the people released a shout. A shout that shook something in the earth, not just the walls of Jericho. It shook something in the spirit. Because a people actually entered into the sound of victory, the sound of triumph, the sound of life. And so God, right now, we want the fullness of that sound to come through us. We release to you, victory is yours. Victory is yours. to you we offer up our love to you we say that you are worthy we say that you are worthy all around this room let your love and adoration flow towards the king for he has given us great victory Just lift your hands to him and begin to declare how worthy he is. In a minute to close this, what we're going to do is we're going to release a shout. But what I feel the Lord saying is, is right now each and every one of us can begin to think of strongholds and walls that are over our community that are over our families, that are over ourselves, that are over our kids. 
And as we release a shout, I want us to actually release a shout into actual breaking of whatever those things are. If you could see a picture of the web the enemy has, he has his grip in so many areas. And you see them. And right now our heart is to see those grips broken. Broken in the name of Jesus. Broken off our schools. Broken off our governments. Broken off our children. Broken off ourselves. Broken off our churches. The wall that we're seeing represents a barrier. A barrier between the promise of God and where we are currently. See, God had promised to Joshua. He had said, go and I will give you the city. Go and take the city. But there was a wall that stood in their way. Now the word of the Lord came to them and said, I have given you the city. I have given you the king of the city. And I have given you the mighty men of valor in the city. Now when Israel marched by faith, and when they lifted up a shout, they lifted up seven trumpets made of ram's horns. And they lifted up a cry with so much power that heaven began to bear down upon the earth. I believe what took place in that moment was not tumbling of stones. That wall was crushed. That wall was crushed as heaven bore down upon the earth that wall was crushed and forced into the ground. There was such a violent breaking that day. An impossible situation, an impossible wall was crushed, destroyed that day. As those Israelites released their cry, their shout, their trumpets, their faith, that wall was crushed. And so in just a moment, Chris is going to call us again. We are going to release a cry. And we are going to release a shout. And if there was a trumpet, we should blow it. But we will agree with heaven. And the power of heaven will come and bear down and crush, crush this wall. And this wall that stands between destiny, that stands between a word of the Lord over our nation, that stands between a word of the Lord over your life, will be destroyed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Release your shout. Release your shout. Release your shout. Thank you, Lord.
There are moments when you just don't move on. When you sense the presence of God, which is in this room right now. Just before Steve came up to me, I had a picture in my mind and I saw the stronghold. And it overwhelmed me. And the thing the Lord said to me is the stronghold doesn't fall if the people don't do anything about it. And in pre-service prayer today, as I was praying, I saw this picture. And I saw a picture of people who didn't want to look at their bank accounts because they were scared they didn't have enough money to pay their bills. They didn't want to look at their problems. They wanted to pretend they weren't there. And I was asking the Lord, what is it about? There's something in us that doesn't want to see the strongholds that the enemy has over our world. We just want to go on with life. The stronghold doesn't fall if the people do nothing. And the realm we fight in is the spirit. And if this is awkward for you, it's because we just haven't been in it enough. It ain't going to be fought in the flesh. It's going to be fought in the spirit. I'm tired of ignoring the strongholds. They're everywhere. Do you see them? They're in your own lives. They're in our communities. They're in our families. They're everywhere. Are you sick of it yet? Did you guys hear that? Let's have him say it again. Come over here. Come here, Gabe. I saw a sheet of a sea of glass above us, and I saw God sitting on his throne, and he was so bright, I couldn't even look at him. And I just wanted everybody to see that because I just wanted to let you guys know that he's with us right now, and he's above us. And he's it's just it's so glorious, so amazing. It's just, I really wanted you guys to know that. For any of you that aren't, Lord God, I pray for you guys that I pray for um, God. And I thank you that everybody would be here. And I pray for you guys that you guys would just know God better. And I pray that all of you would just get to know God. And I really hope you guys would just love God and go further with God. And, and every, every day would be with God. Amen. A number of years ago, we were doing a deliverance on a guy. I may have shared this story, but I'll say it again. And a spirit had come up on him and this voice was coming out of him that was demonic. And we said, in Jesus' name, you must come out. And you know what the spirit said? No, I don't. No, you do. No, I don't. (laughs) Well, at that moment, our theology got a little rocked. Whoa, uh, but you're supposed to. (laughs) I say that because in this very moment, in the time we are, there is a regime change. 
See, there was a time where God allowed judgment upon the earth and a system to rule the earth that was ungodly. And that time has now closed and it is now complete. And a new kingdom, a new age is now upon the earth, a kingdom age. A kingdom age where righteousness and justice prevail. We do not see that yet. And as we speak that out into the heavenlies, the enemy's like, no, I don't. Now, what happens here? What do we do? Do we argue with the enemy and say, no, you, you have to. This is time. It's your time. Well, partially yes, but partially no. Our responsibility now is to go into the realm of heaven, to the throne room, and get a judgment. When that judgment has been issued, now we can enforce it in the earth because we have legal right to enforce the word of God into the earth. And what was established here today was the beginning of a courtroom proceeding where we are gaining authority to establish righteousness and justice because now is the time. So because now is the time and because we are approaching the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus and because we have acquired from God the ability to speak the increase of his kingdom into the earth, we do just that. This is not an argument with Satan. Satan is defeated. He just doesn't know it yet. He still thinks he can win. However, the blood of Jesus has already been established against him. The word of God has already confirmed it. And we are here now to release truth into the earth. I'm telling you, there is a regime change. A kingdom is coming that cannot be shaken, that will not be shaken. And as we come to this place right now, we worship God. We worship God. So begin, just as Di was just exhorting us, begin now, declare the holiness of God. Declare the worthiness of God, the righteousness of who he is, the perfection of his plan in the earth. Establish your name in the earth, O oh God, for you are holy. And you are worthy of this place. Come on, let's again just begin to lift it up. Holy is God. Holy is God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Holy. Holy is God. Holy is His name. We worship you, Jesus. Holy are you. Father, teach us your ways. <laughs> oh, we know too many of our own. Teach us your ways, O oh God. That is our heart. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did this morning in this place. Father, our, our idea of war and your idea is so different. God, teach us your ways. Teach us your ways, God. Father, we just pray a blessing right now on Jim and Galen as they share. Father, release your servants to declare the word of the Lord. And Father, we posture ourselves to receive it. In Jesus' name. Amen.
So how did Chris just finish what he said? He just, he prayed and he finished it off. He said, in Jesus' name. So what does that mean? What, what does it mean to say, in Jesus' name? We make all sorts of declarations. This morning we made significant declarations. What does it mean when we say, in Jesus' name? And I have to tell you, there are parallels that we, that we can look at because in Jesus' name is not a set of magic words. It's not like adding abracadabra at the end and therefore it's going to happen. When we say in Jesus' name, what are we saying? You know what we're saying? We're saying we're coming in the authority of Jesus. Most of you who are parents who have more than one kid have had the situation where you tell one of the kids to go and fetch their brothers and sisters and come for dinner. So the younger one goes into the room and says, hey, everybody, come in for dinner. And nobody moves. And so then the younger one says again, mom says, everybody, come in for dinner. And everybody moves. Catch the difference there? In the name of mom, come for dinner. Now, let's decide for a minute. This kid has decided they want everybody to come and see the fort that they built. So they go, everybody come see the fort. Nobody moves. So they say, mom says you got to come see the fort. But mom didn't say. What happens? Well, the others don't necessarily know that mom didn't say, so they may move. They may doubt it, but they may move. But when mom figures out that little Jimmy is going in and saying, in the name of mom, when mom didn't say, little Jimmy's going to get corrected. Does that make sense? So there's something really important here for us to grab a hold of. Because when we say in the name of Jesus, what we're really saying is because Jesus said so. That's what that means. It's not a tagline that we throw on the end of our prayers. It's not a throwaway phrase. And I want us to get this really into our hearts. We're saying because he says... Because Jesus says, which means we want to know that he did. We want to know that Jesus says. Um, in, in John, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, who, he who believes in me, this is John 14, 12 to 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You ask Anything in my name, I will do it. But in my name means because he said. 
James 4, 2-4 says, Yet you do not have because you do not ask. But you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. What does that mean? It means you don't have because you don't ask. But, but sometimes when you do ask, you're just asking because you want it. Not because I said Gillian uh, was, was doing a study on Monday night with a, a group of girls, and they started talking about faith. And it was so impactful, this idea of faith, this idea that we have defined faith out of Hebrews 11, verse 1, and then we don't really know what that means. So I want to give you a different definition for a moment for the word faith, and, and instead of building up this definition for you first. I'm just going to give it to you, and then we'll, we'll verify it, okay? What if faith, if everywhere where we see the word faith, we change it, and we make it say, hearing and receiving a word from God, okay? Hearing and receiving a word from God. We do know that you can hear without receiving. All we've got to do is look at Adam and Eve right at the beginning, and we can see that you can hear very clearly and not receive. But hearing and receiving, I'll go a little further, and holding on to a word from God. What if that's actually the definition of the word faith? What if whenever we're reading our Bible and we see the word faith, we start to think about Hearing and receiving a word from God. Okay. So, Kayleen is telling me, let's just go and read Hebrews chapter 11. So, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going we're gonna to read it. But what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to say hearing and receiving a word from God in s- wherever the word faith appears. Okay. Just to, just to illuminate this a little bit. This is sort of like the amplified version. <laughs> okay? So, uh, was this NIV? I think it's NIV. I'll start. Okay. Now, when we hear and receive a word from God, we have confidence in what we hope for in assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By hearing and receiving a word from God, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. In other words, he made the universe out of invisible stuff. By hearing and receiving a word from God, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By hearing and receiving a word from God, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by hearing and receiving that word, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. By hearing and receiving a word from God, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not even experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. 
And without hearing and receiving a word, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Caught that without hearing and receiving a word from God, it's impossible to please him. By hearing and receiving a word from God, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By having heard and received the word, this is brutal, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with hearing and receiving a word. If Noah hadn't heard and received the word, God wouldn't have been able to send the flood. It actually says because he heard and received it and operated in it, it actually enabled God to condemn the world. Now, if it hadn't been Noah, maybe it would have been somebody else. But Noah is listed here in this hall of faith. By hearing and receiving a word, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By hearing and receiving the word, he made his home in the, promise, in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by hearing and receiving the word... And she didn't receive it up front, okay? In fact, Sarah heard the word, and what did she do? She laughed. But then she got sternly rebuked, <laughs> and she all of a sudden realized, uh-oh, this is no laughing matter. And she received it. And so by hearing and receiving that word, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, I mean, he was 100 years old already, not exactly, you know, ready to father children, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still, and this is the verse that Jess read earlier, all of these people were still living by hearing and receiving a word when they died. They didn't receive the things promised in the word. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You know what? I'm actually liking this enough. I'm going to just keep reading it. Does that, does that work for all of you? Okay. By hearing and receiving a word, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He, had he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his, only, his one and only son. Hmm. Sound familiar? Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. That this is how we're going to build your legacy, is through Isaac. So kill him. You know how God built his legacy and his family. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. 
By hearing and receiving the word, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By hearing and receiving the word, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By hearing and receiving the word, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By hearing and receiving a word, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By hearing and receiving a word, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. Catch that. Moses did something for the sake of Christ. Why? Because he had heard and received the word already. So even though Christ had not come, the word had come and he had received it. And he, he, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By hearing and receiving a word, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. And by hearing and receiving the word, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And by hearing and receiving a word, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. And by hearing and receiving a word, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By hearing and receiving a word, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who all, by hearing and receiving a word, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead raised to life again. There were others who were tortured. Refusing to be released. So that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging. And even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. Destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. But these were all commended for having heard and received the word. So where do we get this definition? Deidre, can you put up Romans ten seventeen? Simple. Simple faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's go to NKJV. <laughs> but we can read this one. Faith come. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. It's back. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. No, I meant the other one. <laughs> That's okay. Let's leave it at NKJV. Hmm. So you see, we talk about faith a lot. We talk about building faith. We talk about wanting faith, but do you understand that faith is not something you drum up in yourself? Faith is not something you sit here and go, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Okay, now I've got some faith. Faith is a gift. Faith comes from God. Faith comes by hearing. 
Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I've talked about this before, but I think this is so critical. We need to understand that in order to really hear, in order to really hear the rhema current word of God, the word that God is speaking right now as he's dropping faith into your heart, in order to really know that that's the voice of God, you actually have to know the word of God. You have to be able to align what you're hearing with what he's put in scripture already. And so faith comes by hearing, but your ability to hear comes by having the word of God in you. Does that make sense? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is why it's so critical to have the word of God in us because otherwise, how are we supposed to hear? And if we can't hear, how are we supposed to have any faith? I mean, faith comes by hearing. And I got to tell you, this is the, it's the simplest thing. When God says, here's what I want to do, so declare it. Is there any sort of issue with believing it's going to happen? I mean, if you know God said it, God said, here's what I want to do, declare it. I think most of our crises in faith actually comes because we haven't heard anything. You know, it's, Galen's saying it's presumption when we haven't heard. In fact, the Bible calls it, the Bible has a really interesting word for acting without hearing. The, the Bible word, and it's, you know, it's a Bible word. It's unfortunate in some ways because it doesn't exist sort of in, in common society, so we don't know what it means. But the Bible word is iniquity. Iniquity is not a synonym of the word sin. It doesn't mean the same thing. Iniquity is a special kind of sin. Iniquity is when you made it up yourself. Anything you decided to do by yourself is iniquity. If God didn't say it, it's iniquity. It's the interesting thing. Jesus was out in the desert. He'd been out there for 40 days and nights, and he hadn't had anything to eat. So he's pretty weak. And Satan comes to tempt him. And what's the first thing Satan does? He says, look, if you're the son of God, there's these stones here. Why don't you turn them to bread? We see later in Jesus' ministry, he had no problem turning stuff into bread. He could turn nothing into bread. He could turn air into bread. Didn't even need the stones. Not a big deal. And he's hungry. So we have a clear need. You're hungry. There is a need. How many times have you actually heard someone who their heart is right in, in so many ways? They want to do God's will. They want to do his work on the earth. But they say, the need is the call. I'm here to tell you that Jesus didn't agree with that. Jesus didn't agree that the need was the call. What was Jesus' answer to Satan? Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus said, uh, 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 uh. if I do that, then I'm doing it. God didn't say to do that. That's what he really said. God didn't say that. If God said to turn the stones to bread, then we turn the stones to bread and we have ourselves a little feast. It's all good. God didn't say it. I'm not going to do it. That's what he said. God didn't say it. That's not what he's saying. So this is that critical thing in faith. 
what did God say? What is God saying? Um, in fact, okay, go ahead. sometimes we, um, when we pray, I've seen this over and over and over again, we put the faith, our faith in the outcome. So I'm praying, I used this ridiculous example on Monday night, but um, so I really want this podium to lift off from the ground. So God, I just pray that the podium would lift off from the ground in Jesus' name. And I believe that it's going to lift off from the ground. I know it. I put my trust and my hope that this podium is going to lift off the ground. And we've got it mixed up because really God is saying, have faith in God. Jesus says, have faith in God. So the God of the universe that's actually able to defy gravity, if he says, this podium will lift off the ground, then I can pray, yeah, yeah, I would get out of the way. I can pray, podium be lifted off the ground in Jesus' name because he said it, but I don't put my faith in this happening. I put my faith in God. I know that you're able. God, you said it. You gave your word. I trust you. I will wait. I will wait for you to answer your word because of your great faithfulness, because of who you are. It's not, it's not about what we want. It's about who he is. So when I, th there are tons and tons of, of passages of scripture. You can see I got just lots of them written here on, on the pages that, that, use, um, that use the word faith. But I want to talk about, yes, about receiving it as a gift. Did you bring some little object lesson? Oh, good, because this object lesson we're going to do. See, we still have kids' church in our blood, okay? I mean, the watersheds would relate to this. You can't get up here and teach something without an object lesson. And particularly this particular object lesson, which has great benefit for me personally. So, Gillian is going to offer me a gift. God says that he gives each a measure or an allotment of faith. And he also said when he's saying that, he says we shouldn't compare each other to each other because um, it's unique and individual to each person. So if Jesse rises with greater faith than you have, that's okay because he's been allotted a greater amount of faith. But each of us, when God passes and gives us a gift, we actually need to receive it. So I have a gift I'm going to give it to my husband, Jim. Now he can, oh, nice. He can just put it on the shelf. He can say, oh, that was a nice gift. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to let it sit there. It doesn't matter. Um, doesn't it look pretty in its little package? Actually, I could have wrapped it up a lot nicer than this. But um, it's, it's really up to him what he does with the gift that is given. So what else he could do with this gift is he could actually open it up. And when you open, I did some baking yesterday, and Jim likes my cookies. So I baked a gift of cookies for Jim so he could open it up, and he could take it, and he could even take it out of its little wrapping paper, and he could look at it. I did not take a bite. <laughs> and he can, you know, he can decide what to do. He still has the choice of what to do with it. But I don't think it's very useful to have it sitting on this podium um, because, well, you're not, well, not that you get a lot of nourishment from a cookie anyway, but you're not going to get the enjoyment from the cookie unless you actually take and eat. 
to receive the gift, I really actually have to, I not only got it, but I have to receive it. And when I receive it, I actually want to make it part of me. I don't want to let it go. Right now, somebody could come and take this away yet. I could drop it. I could step on it. I could forget about it. I could walk away from it. It's not really part of me. It's going to be, though. It is not gluten-free. <laughs> so I keep thinking of this Donut Man song. It's going through my head. It's like, I heard your word, and I've hidden it in my heart. I've heard your word, and I treasured it in my heart. I heard your word, and I've eaten it and put it down in my heart. I heard your word, and I did it put it down in my heart. God wants us to receive by treasuring, by thanking him, by even saying to him, wow, God, that's your word. I receive it. It's amazing how many times I've functioned in a prayer ministry with somebody and I'm watching them and it's like, I'm waiting. Will you receive? Will you receive? Let's be receivers, not only hearers and doers. Let's be receivers of the word of God. Hey, Jer, want a gift? He doesn't have a BB on him. No, no. So I've offered Jeremy a gift. What's he going to have to do? He's going to have to receive it. Now he's received it. I can still take it away from him, though. <laughs> that part I can't. So, I mean, he's, he's received the gift. He's making the gift part of himself. There's no way to take that away anymore. Thanks. There's another one? Shoot. Who wants to receive a gift? Uh, Benny's not here. <laughs> I'm sorry, now they're gone. But Tyson, I actually have a gift for you after the service, so. <laughs> I mean, the point of it just is that, that we want to hear, we want to receive, we want to make that part of us. How many times in your life have you recognized I don't have the faith for that. Something's there, and you, you recognize, I just don't have the faith for that. I, I remember um, listening to David Demian the first time I ever met him, and um, listening to him talk about the call that God had put on him for Canada. And I was sitting in this little group of people, and I was listening to this man talk, and I recognized, oh, my goodness, he's talking about huge stuff. Like, he's talking about stuff that would have to go global to work. And I realized, I don't have the faith for this. I didn't. And the truth is, I did not have the faith for it. And I, and, and I would have faked it if I'd have said otherwise. I was listening to him talk, and I was thinking, wow, buddy, that's big. Um, you, you know you're just a guy from Vancouver who nobody's ever heard of, right? Like, you, you know that. I didn't say that out loud. And in my heart... Though, here's what happened, and this happens, and this is a very neat thing. Over the course of the first, say, 15 to 20 minutes that he was talking, I suddenly realized something. I realized he had the faith for it. I realized he had a word from God that he was holding on to, that he was making part of himself. And so, as much as nobody could outline what it was going to take to get there from here, I knew he actually had the faith for it, and I knew that he had a word from God. And suddenly, I could come into alignment with his faith. 
All right? So even though I didn't have the direct word, I certainly had the impetus to be able to come in alignment with the word that had been given and the discernment to know that there had been one. So what does that mean if you don't have the faith for it? You actually can do something about it because if you don't have it, what you're actually saying is I don't have a word about that from God. So if you don't have a word about that from God, well, we actually have a God who says, you are my sheep and I talk to my sheep and my sheep hear my voice. So we all, all, all of us have the opportunity to increase in faith because we all can ask, God, what are you saying in this situation? God, so as Jim came in line with somebody else that had a word from God, we can do that too because there are going to be those that go before us and they're going to hear things that we will never hear because of, well, because of the measure of faith that we've been given, because of the measure of the word that we have heard and received. But if we don't have faith for something, if we don't have the word for something, God, what is your word in this situation? What can I align myself with? What are you planning to do? And what can I declare? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, we, we were out uh, with uh, Paul and Joan the other night, and I was, letting, I was telling them about how uh, prayer became important in my life. And it was actually through the, uh, I, uh, you know, I grew up in the church. And so I knew you pray because that's what God said, and it's in the Bible, and we're supposed to pray, and so that's what you do. But it never, it never made sense to me. And I've shared this before, but I'll do it again. <laughs> and never made sense to me because God knows what needs to happen a whole lot better than I do. He's the one who has the power to do it. I don't. He's the one who, 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 who has the word, right? So I'm going to pray why again? Because the Bible says, oh, okay, fine. So I'll just do it then. Then wasn't real exciting, wasn't real powerful, I never really understood it, didn't make a lot of sense. And then, we were, uh, we'd been married for a couple of years and we were visiting Gillian's grandparents uh, in Saskatchewan, and they were a, a Mennonite couple, and her grandma had a book sitting on the shelf uh, that she had just finished reading, and so I picked it up, and it was called Intercessory Prayer by Dutch Sheets. And... I open this book, and Dutch goes, and he, he, he basically just outlines simple thing, simplest thing. And I was thinking, why in the world did I not ever know this? Because I never figured this out. But he says, so God created the earth. He created mankind. And then he gave dominion, that is authority, over the earth to mankind. And he never took it back. Now, Mankind messed up a little bit and seceded some of their authority to the enemy, but you've got to understand something. The enemy has been defeated. So the enemy claims to have authority, but he really doesn't. Okay? It's a lie. It's a lie that works if you believe it. Um, that's like, you know, if I tell you a door's locked so you never try it, you never realize that it's not locked at all and you were free to go at any point because um, you never tried it because you believed my lie, right? That's the same thing the enemy does. He, he lies all the time. He says that, you know, I'm the Lord of this earth and he is not. So, um, God gave authority over the earth to you. Mally has authority. There you go. Woohoo. So, then, if God were to just do the things he wants to do on the earth, what would he be doing? He'd actually be violating the system that he set up where he put you in charge. 
okay? He'd be, he, oddly enough, he would be meddling in your thing because he gave it to you. So, what does he need you to do? He needs you to invite him to do stuff. So he tells you, okay, here's what I want to do. So invite me. At which point, we invite him to do stuff on the earth, and he's now, by his rules, not ours, because he set it up that way, he is now released to affect his will on the earth. Again, it's that hearing, hearing what he's saying, and then releasing it. And that's how faith works. So when we pray in his name, it's because he said, we know he said, and we know because we have the word in us as well. By the way, I did a little study on this this week. Do you know that Jesus actually quotes specific scripture from the Old Testament over 30 times in the New Testament? And, over, and 73 times Jesus refers to something said in scripture in the Old Testament. Jesus knew the scriptures. So he had the faith... Because he heard the Father, he had the word, and even there, uh, Gaylene was just sharing with me this morning even, you know, the, the passage uh, in John uh, about Jesus doing greater works. Yeah. Did you know that Jesus didn't start by doing his greatest miracles? Jesus himself began to do greater works as his faith was built. What? John 5 verse 20. Can you put it up? Uh, I don't have it here. Um, but this is, this is so important. Like we even, even Jesus, the son of God, (laughs) there we are for the father loves the son and shows him all things that he, that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So Jesus himself was being shown greater works by the father. Very cool. He was walking in the same principle of faith that we walk in and so i just i want to encourage each of us that when we want if who wants more faith that's cool because you know who else wanted more faith well luke 17 verse 5 and the apostles said to the lord increase our faith which means increase how much we hear and receive of the word of God. How much we can hear and receive of the word of God. And then we can do. And I'll tell you. It's the one thing I have with. For instance. Uh, you know. Nasty subject. Praying for the sick. You want to have faith. To heal the sick. Here. What is God saying in that situation. When Peter and John were walking into the temple. And there was a guy laying there on a mat who had been crippled from birth, okay, withered legs. I mean, if you've been crippled from birth, you got no muscle, you got, you know, whatever. And what did they do? Dear Lord, we ask that you would please, please heal this man, oh yeah, in Jesus' name. Is that what they did? It's not what they did. They heard. They said, oh, you know what? We don't have any money for you, but here. They grabbed his hand, and they pulled him up. Okay, if he's not healed, how does this go? Really bad. 
This is not a good thing. They're dragging this guy around if he's not healed. Okay? Looks stupid. Guy not happy. Not good. But they knew. They weren't, they weren't wondering if maybe God wanted to heal him. They had the word. They received it. They declared it. And they did the thing. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with praying uh, and asking God for things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that there's a, a formula here and we get the formula wrong. But I am saying the faith comes from hearing. So if you have heard that God wants to do something, I remember years ago um, talking to Rob Van Weirden here and asking him if he would pray for somebody. And he looked at me and he went, um, no, I haven't heard anything. And I went, what? He said, well, if I'm praying for him and it's just me, what's the point? I got no power. I only want to pray for him if I've heard something. I thought that was an interesting thing. Now, we know there are principles, and we can pray certain principles from God's word, but I am telling you, if we want faith, we need to hear. Amen. just want to go over a couple of verses very, very briefly. Um, we hear Mark talk about this uh, a lot. It's First John 5, 4. And Scripture says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And Mark usually talks about whatever is born of God. And it continues on, though, and it says, And this is the faith that has overcome... Oh, sorry. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our ability to hear and receive from God. Our faith. Um... Jim often talks about Peter when uh, Jesus was walking across the water or, and uh, they were in the boat and the waves and the wind and everything was crazy. Wasn't that amazing that the wind and the waves, that concept came out? And I thought, wow, Jesus, you were able to calm the storm because your spirit is the wind and the waves. I've never thought about that before. But anyway, um, and Peter sees them and they're all scared, but he's, don't be afraid, it's me, that's what Jesus says. And and Peter says, if it's really you, tell me to come. So he's looking for a word. He's looking for confirmation. And so uh, Jesus says, come. Jim always says, Peter didn't actually walk on the water. He walked on the word of God. But then Peter took his eyes off of the word and looked back at the water. And, uh, you know, Jesus has to save him. And he says to him, oh, you of little faith. He, he, he heard the word come he received it for a short time and then he let go of it so jesus says oh you of little ability to hear and receive the word. i always used to feel the condemnation of oh you of little faith but now it's like oh you that have received only a little bit of my word there's more, there's, more. there's always hope for more just going to read one more verse. I have a lot here, but just one, because I heard it come out this morning. It's in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and it's simple. For we walk by what we hear and receive from God, his word, and not by sight. I encourage you, actually, to go home. After we did this Bible study on Monday night, I went home, and I'm laying in bed, and I'm trying to think of all the verses that I knew that had the word faith. I 
I love to turn my little phone on in the middle of the night and read, but Jim doesn't like it very much, so I had to go by memory, and I just sat there. I, well, I laid there in the dark. Okay, what's another verse about faith that I can apply this, this definition? Faith, hearing and receiving the word of God. So, Lord, I ask right now that you would allow us to be a people who very, very quickly and clearly hear your word who seek to hear your word all the time, who want to know what you're saying, who want to, to see what you're doing, and then we want to align with it. We want to receive it deep in our hearts and let it be part of us. Lord, I ask that you would increase our ability to hear, increase our ability to hear, increase our faith, increase our faith, Lord, that we can actually do what it is that you want us to do here on the earth. And we know this is said by you. So in Jesus' name, we declare that over this body. Amen.